Hi, I'm Jeff Ranke, Editorial Director of Manufacturing.net and Manufacturing Business Technology. Welcome to Security Breach. When the Eastern European hacker group DarkSide shut down the Colonial Pipeline in May of 2021, the ramifications were felt across numerous landscapes. In addition to impacting air travel and triggering panic over gasoline availability, the six-day interruption of fuel to much of the eastern United States led to one of the highest profile ransomware payments in recent history. Although law enforcement was able to track down and recover more than half of the $4.4 million in Bitcoin that Colonial paid to the ransomware attackers, two critical points have been made. The U.S. industrial sector was vulnerable, and they were willing to pay to restore operations. In support of the increasing concerns facing the industrial sector's cybersecurity needs, IBM recently reported that manufacturing overtook financial institutions and insurance providers in becoming the most targeted industry by cyber criminals in 2021. Joining us to discuss this ongoing threat is Eric Irvin, Global Director for Utilities and Manufacturing and 1898 and Company, a leading provider of data management and business consulting services. So Eric, thanks so much for joining us today. You know, I think when cybersecurity started becoming a really big issue for the industrial sector, it coincided a lot with what was going on with the pandemic in 2020. And it was a bit of a surprise then to see the industrial sector being such a hot target for all of these hackers, but it hasn't slowed down. Do you have some thoughts on why the manufacturing and industrial sectors continue to be such a hot target for these guys? Yeah, that's a great question, Jeff. I've seen the same type of thing. So, you know, as the industry, you know, moves into the industry 4.0 and 5.0 areas, you know, where we're leveraging more and more industrial IoT devices, sensors to become smarter, you know, and then how we incorporate that with the, with you know, automation and robotics and to become a smarter, you know, manufacturing uh, floor, we're seeing this just exponential growth, you know, across the digital technologies, you know, and the leveraging of those, you know, across the floor. But, uh, you know, manufacturing, you know, is as they move to these advanced technology practices, it's resulting in many technology projects being run simultaneously. And so, with that, we're seeing at times a fractured approach, you know, to securing, you know, critical infrastructure and the manufacturing floors. And so, you know, a couple examples where we're seeing just some dramatic growth is, you know, is in uh, for manufacturing the robotics, the process automation, uh, remote controlled machinery on the shipping and logistics side of things, you know, RFIDs, uh, chips, connected vehicles, you know, and then on predictive maintenance, collecting data from operational technologies to predict maintenance act activities. You know, we're seeing that across all sectors, you know, how do they become smarter, you know, instead of time-based maintenance, you know, windows, you know, use predictive analytics, you know, to do a more of a, uh, a smarter way to, to time those, those, those activities, so. No, it makes a ton of sense. I think it's a great point you make about the additional levels of automation and software that's being used to help sort of try to quell some of these supply chain disruptions. At the same time, it's extremely frightening to think that because of this, that also exposes the industry to some more vulnerabilities that folks can take advantage of. That, that's right. I mean, we're seeing with that, you know, exponential growth in IoT devices, for example, just the attack surface is greatly expanding, you know, and when that happens, you know, the opportunity for breach you know, exists there. And so that's something that we're certainly uh, helping our clients, you know, in the manufacturing sector, you know, address. Yeah, I think that's a great point you make about the attack service becoming so much larger with the increased use of these IoT technologies. One of the things that the industrial sector, at least that we've seen that they're doing to try to combat this is they are coming up with more comprehensive cybersecurity plans. 
The problem is there's a lot of low-hanging fruit that does get focused on, but there's still some gaps in those plans. From your experience in working with these folks, what are some of the areas you see that they're just not getting to right now with, with these plans? Well, it really kind of depends, Jeff, you know, on the client themselves, you know, and the customer, but there's, there's always room for improvement. And that's, that's one of the very first things we see. And so uh, when it comes to basic cyber hygiene, you know, what are they doing to maintain patching levels, antivirus, access control and account management, you know, policies, you know, are they, are they doing the stuff that really just kind of, like you said, the low hanging fruit, that's, that's fairly easy to do. You know, if you can do that, I, I believe you get 70, 80% of the way there, you know, but wow. as companies mature their cybersecurity posture or in the, and they're driven to do that, we're seeing a heavy investment in asset discovery and monitoring and detection tools. And so uh, vendors such as Clarity, Dragos, uh, Armis, uh, Nozomi, they're all great tools. There's others out there that are very good. And so these tools are providing a level of visibility into the ICS, IOT, OT type you know, communications, the traffic, the, the protocols that your normal IT or corporate focused uh, sensors really haven't been able to understand and interpret in the past. And so being able to leverage a tool like that to give you some of those, some of that visibility that, that's greatly needed and understand, you know, if, if you have a, a, you know, a dozen new assets come online that you weren't aware of, where did they come online at? Who is behind that? What type of, you know, security do you have in play? Are they legitimate? There's all sorts of things that these tools can help bring visibility to and, and kind of bake that into your security operations. But uh, beyond that, you know, you know, we talked about ransomware, but business continuity, disaster recovery, incident response plans, you know, th that has got to be a focus. And, uh, you know, if, if entities really took those things seriously, uh, the impact of a ransomware attack, for example, could be marginalized. And so it's really important to not only do your backups, you know, but are you testing those backups? Are you making sure they work? You know, are they kept on a secure uh, zone, you know, that maybe didn't get, you know, or can't get compromised by a ransomware, you know, and there's all sorts of ways to do that. Uh, segmentation, you know, is a really good example, but uh, making sure you've got that, make sure you're running tabletop exercises. You know, that's something that, you know, if, if you're not sitting down with your operations team and walking through what the impact of a ransomware attack, for example, would do to your operations and how to recover from that, if it were to happen, you're not going to be ready. And so you've got to do some of that, some of those exercises that really kind of create that muscle memory and help people from across the organization know their roles and responsibilities when it comes to responding to something like that. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're at an interesting crossroads because manufacturing enterprises want, like you talked about, that visibility and they want as many people as possible to have that. But at the same time, that's creating, again, a broader attack surface and more security concerns. Well, if I can dig into that just a little bit, too, that is something we're seeing just a just a dramatic uh, growth in. And so as as companies deploy these sensors, you know, there's all sorts of reasons to do that, but it's giving you more information about your operations. And that information is powerful. That's not just powerful for the, the ICS or, you know, system that's controlling, you know, the, the plant, but it's, it's beneficial to your accountants, to your engineers, you know, they're sitting in the corporate office. And oftentimes you want that data to go in some sort of a, you know, a, historian, for example, you know, or a data lake somewhere where all this data is being gathered 
you know, so it can then be, you know, massaged and reports come out of that. So you make business informed decisions. And so it's the data protection piece now that's starting to get a lot of attention because how do you know where that source of truth is, is at, you know, how do you know the data that's being dumped into the lake, for example, it has not been compromised, you know, so that when operations makes decisions based on that data, it's good data and relevant data. And so, yeah, uh, with the growth of IoT devices, you know, here, here's a new, you know, uh, you know, uh, threat we need to be worried about. And that's data yeah. protection, you know, and these big giant data lakes that have all sorts of operation data, corporate data, you know, including finance and all sorts of things. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's been an interesting evolution for sure. Eric, we've talked a lot about the bad stuff, and that's what gets a lot of people's attention. But let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some of the good guys. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about 1898 and some of the work you folks do. Yeah, so so 1898 and company, we've been around for a long time. We're, we're part of Burns McDonald, and so uh, that, that's what's behind our name. And so Burns McDonald was founded in 1898, uh, large engineering arch architecture uh, consulting firm, and, and 1898 is that, that technology consulting firm. And so our focus in the security risk consulting group is purely on uh, ICS OT cybersecurity. And so our team is dedicated uh, and just full of uh, professionals who have 20 years, you know, either working in the industry or come from the government where they help secure critical infrastructure. And so we leverage that to really help our clients, you know, achieve three primary goals, and that's safety, reliable operations and compliance. And all three of those things, I think we, we generally kind of uh, boil down. That is what our, our clients are generally after. And that's what we really help them do. And so as all critical infrastructure sectors are working to digitize their operations, cybersecurity has got to be a part of that. And so we help them through a lot of different uh, things, but it includes diagnostic assessments, strategy and advisory services, so that, that's one we're seeing uh, a little more uptick in here recently is what does the what is the strategy? What does the roadmap look like for our operational technology? How do we, we we've got this tremendous growth, you know, in digital services. How are we going to secure that? And so what does the budget look like? What is the resource loading needs to be like? How do we leverage the tools that we already have? You know, rather than chasing a kind of a bright, shiny penny that's rolling, you know, across the table, you know, um, a lot of organizations have a lot of security tools. And so helping them understand and rationalize what tools can do what and how to, you know, maximize their investments in those areas is something we do as well. Well, I think it's reassuring to hear some folks learning to to adjust a little bit and start with OT security. I think the the sort of the prevailing thought has always been you start on the IT side, but all these attacks that's where the vulnerabilities begin. It's on the operational side. So it's it's good to hear some of those changes being realized by the industry and, and you're seeing it firsthand. That's right. And, and we're seeing a lot of collaboration, you know, now between the IT, the corporate organizations, their cyber team, you know, and OT. And so that's something that I think we, we really stress when we do a lot of our advisory uh, work and we're setting side by side with our clients is try to get representatives from IT and OT there. And it's really beneficial for them to hear each other, kind of what the services are, what type of capabilities that they can provide, maybe on the IT side to the OT side that they can take advantage of, you know, rather than having to stand up a complete 
parallel, you know, security program and, and keep IT and OT siloed, you know, there are opportunities to converge this in certain areas and really kind of operationalize and make the make it more efficient, you know, to run and, and give that broader holistic view of security and, and the threats facing, you know, the, the business. Now, breaking down those silos continues to be a, a critical issue throughout the industrial sector. You know, looking again at some of the works 1898 does, you've said, Eric, that some of the, the biggest strategies and tactics that can really be effective from a cybersecurity perspective are device segmentation and passive monitoring. Maybe you can talk a little bit about those two strategies and, and what they mean in a little more detail. Yeah. So I mentioned segmentation earlier. And so that's essentially addressing the threat of lateral movement. And so if someone was to get into your network and adversary, you know, are they able to, you know, get access and credentials to other areas of that network? And that's called lateral movement, you know, and so through network segmentation, you know, make basically breaking down different zones of the network uh, into, you know, layers. So think of it like your most most sensitive, uh, most important networks or your layer four, for example, then you start to layer a DMZ, you know, a buffer zone, essentially, you know, and then you go into your, your corporate network, for example, and then you have your internet, there's different ways to segment that. And uh, there's, there's multiple ways to do that. But really making sure that your most critical functions that, you know, that, that control your digital operations, you know, on the floor, for example, are in your most secured zones with the tightest access control and restrictions there. But we start to layer that with like multi-factor authentication for remote access, you know, uh, oftentimes for even some of the, you know, devices and systems inside the data center, you know, the server racks, for example, anything there, you know, multi-factor authentication is a great tool, fairly easy to, to implement. And it's being more widely adopted and embraced by the company culture. And so people from the corporate world, as well as the operations world, understand what multi-factor authentication is and why it's important. And that just kind of reinforces the, the value of security awareness training, you know, helping your, your, you know, your employees understand why you're doing the, the security changes you're doing, uh, you know, and why it is that they play such an important role in securing operations, you know, as a whole. But, uh, Again, on that segmentation side, it's really just making sure that the devices, you know, that are operating your, your floor are protected from other, you know, devices that may not be quite as secure and uh, maybe not need to be quite as secure in, in other areas of the network, for example, but really, really just kind of nailing down those zones and securing those through segmentation. Uh, the second is the passive monitoring. You know, I mentioned uh, how important visibility was. And so in the IT or excuse me, in the OT and IOT space, there's not been a lot of, you know, vendors here, you know, until the last five years, for example, that really understood the, the traffic protocols that were operating, you know, except for the vendors, you know, that pro provided those types of, of, of systems. And so being able to have these vendors come in and understand the protocols, understand what normal traffic looks like, you know, and then re report an alarm on stuff that doesn't seem quite right, you know, and that's when your security analysts can work, you know, with your operations tech saying, hey, we're seeing this type of traffic, you know, is this legitimate or is this something we need to, you know, kind of dig into? And so being able to have that type of vis visibility is, is just critical in this, you know, expansive growth of, of digital devices across our, our operations and the manufacturing floor. 
people. You know, Eric, you're, you're bringing a lot more positive news than a lot of our other guests do. Usually we're talking about things that are that are keeping me up at night. But when you talk about multi-factor authentication, it's good to hear that the cultures in a lot of these enterprises are embracing this. From personal experience, I know in that first rolled out, I was rolling my eyes going, why do I have to do this twice and all this other stuff? But once you understand the ramifications and why that it's being put in place, it makes a lot more sense. So it's really positive to hear more people embracing that concept. You know, you mentioned earlier on, and, and this is prevalent throughout a number of industries, but manufacturing especially has been hit hard with ransomware attacks. I mean, we all know about Colonial Pipeline and, and JBS and all that. In your opinion, Eric, and I ask everybody who comes on the show about this, if you're hit by a ransomware attack, do you pay up? <laughs> well, I, I'd love to say no, you know, in, in, with an exclamation mark, uh, but it, honestly, it depends. And yeah. so in my previous role, you know, uh, where I led a security team and, you know, advised our, our executives and the board, uh, it, it really kind of depends, you know. And so you've got to you've got to have a robust backup and recovery, you know, incident response plan, you know, in place. You got to test that, like I mentioned earlier, you know, but you're, you're never guaranteed that the the holder of those keys are going to give you, you know, give it back to you if you pay the ransom. And not only that, but you you also help proliferate, you know, the the ransomware business. And so, you know, I, I strongly discourage it, uh, but I can't say it's 100 percent never. You know, it's yeah. there's a there's a lot of decisions and a lot of information that have to go into that type of decision. What type of data may be, you know, ransomed at that point, you know, and encrypted, you know, is it? Is it customer data? You know, is it operations data? How important is it? What's the reputational damage, you know, from that as well? There's all sorts of factors that come into play, but uh, I'd like to say no, uh, <laughs> but there's there's that little bit of little piece there that says it, it depends. No, fair enough. You know, wrapping things up here, Eric, and looking forward a little bit, when we think about the industrial sector over the next year to 18 months, what are some of the bigger cybersecurity issues or trends that you see being as most prevalent? Well, I I see the, the attacks on ICS OT continuing to, to rise. And so I was reading an article the other day, it was talking about like approximately 400% increase in attempts to compromise critical infrastructure. And so I think that goes back to just the number of devices in the expanded attack surface that's there. And so if they can, you know, come in and, and disrupt operations on a manufacturing floor or create, you know, chaos by injecting, you know, chemicals too, too high of a level for safe drinking water, for example, or shut down the power grid, you know, and, and cause outages for customers, those types of things create uh, reputational damage. They, they create uh, concern among the, the population. And so with that, I think those are some of the drivers behind the adversaries, you know, in nation states that are behind that type of thing. And so, uh, again, I, I really think the ICS OT uh, cyber attacks is going to continue to rise. Uh, supply chain is another one. And so I, I don't think we have to look very far. You know, SolarWinds was a great example you know, about the saturation that they had across the market, you know, and how important that tool was uh, for the cyber operations teams, you know, and if something like that, or say a, a Palo Alto or a Cisco or another big vendor that's leveraged across, you know, nearly every company in every sector, you know, gets compromised, you know, by a, by a, 
switch or a router or a firewall, you know, that's been compromised, those types of ramifications have lasting effect. And so supply chain is something I, I continue to see, you know, kind of ramping up in regards to, uh, you know, the attention it's getting. And the last is, is cloud services. And so COVID really accelerated our, our, you know, adoption and embracing of cloud services. We had to. People started working from home one day, you know, compared to, you know, all the time before, and they really had to embrace that. And so whether it's, you know, Azure, AWS, Google Cloud, Oracle's Cloud, there's, you know, there's a lot of data now being stored, you know, and managed daily. And so with that, I think that, that is going to continue to be an attack surface. But for the, the security technicians and the network technicians, those tools are have a lot of security capabilities. I mean, a tremendous amount of, they have a lot riding on their reputation as well. And so the, the challenge I think that a lot of organizations face though, is understanding all the different capabilities that these cloud service providers offer in their suite of tools and understanding what capabilities they have, how to leverage those, those capabilities, how to turn them on and manage them. Oftentimes they're running agile, you know, release train and they're getting new updates every, every couple of weeks. A lot of time the, the technicians, you know, on the business side may not understand, you know, what's coming out and why it's important to, to enable, you know, and what that change management portion looks like. And so I think cloud services and, and attacks around that will continue to, uh, to be targeted. Uh, but I also think there's an opportunity for entities to understand how to leverage those t tools more fully. Yeah, I mean, those are those are great points. I think one of the things, too, that we know is as some of these attackers like Darkside with, with Colonial there, I mean, they, they gain greater notoriety as well, and they become bigger entities that people are more fearful of when their attacks do take place and they recognize the attacker by name. At the same time, it's important to point out we do have all these tools that are also getting better and thwarting so many of these attacks that we don't hear about and are occurring every day. That's right. That's right. Thanks, Eric. For more information on the work 1898 does, you can go to 1898andco.com. Thanks for joining us today. To catch up on past episodes, you can go to manufacturing.net, ien.com, or mbtmag.com. You can also check Security Breach out wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Overcast. For Eric Irvin, I'm Jeff Ranke, and this is Security Breach.